Hallelujah. So we don't need to quit praying because they mentioned, and I had never thought of this, but of course it's true. It's just one of those things you know is true, but you never thought of it. But when somebody like Saddam Hussein is killed, and of course this was made before Osama bin Laden was killed, the demon spirits that control them go try to seek somebody else to go into. And if you never, so we don't need to quit praying because he was caught. Hallelujah. But hallelujah, we pray all, uh, I prayed this morning and pray this with me, that every uh, plan of Al-Qaeda and every is brought to total confusion. That Al-Qaeda, al and you know, uh, they are controlled by Satan, and he's the author of confusion. So, hallelujah. And what we sow, we reap. Hallelujah. And so, uh, I just pray confusion all over Al-Qaeda. That they don't know if they're coming or going, sitting up or standing down. Hallelujah. And also says the deceiver becomes deceived. And they try to deceive, and hallelujah. So, they become deceived. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That, that you know, and sometimes it, t it takes a while for that process to work, but it does work. Hallelujah. Tonight, and we're going to continue kind of what we were doing. We've been, we talked two weeks before, we missed last week, but two weeks before that, on uh, praying in power for the land and protecting the land. And so we're going to kind of stay in that theme, but a little different. We're going to talk about praying, praying for protection. And in light of what happened last week, we'll be able to uh, expound upon some of those things. Uh, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 12, verse 2, to start out with. Hallelujah. We thank you for the word of God, Lord. We praise you. Glory. Lord, is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Thank you, Father, that this word, oh, hallelujah, changes us. Amen. And in Revelation, excuse me, Romans chapter, did I say Revelation the first time? Okay, it's Romans. Hallelujah. Well, I actually typed Revelation in my notes. So that's why I said it, but it's not. You know, sometimes the typist and the brain are not... <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes the brain's going faster than the typist can type. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12, 2 says, and, the, and be not conformed to this world. Hallelujah. This world in their way of thinking and so forth. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. One of the things the Lord said to me through this whole thing I believe he said it to me. If, if he didn't say it to me, I'll say this. I do believe this. But this is what came up in my heart. Revelation 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. Help me, Lord. Uh, this is what came up in my heart. The greatest power on earth, on earth, after the Holy Spirit, is the renewed mind. The greatest power on earth after the Holy Spirit. We know the Holy Spirit's here is the renewed mind. Or you could say the Christian with a renewed mind. But hallelujah, the renewed mind, it's everything to us. Without a renewed mind, uh, we are subject to things of this world. Uh, Ephesians 4, 22. Do y'all see that? Do y'all see the power of the renewed mind and how powerful it is and how precious it is and how... We can't do without it. And he says that ye put off concerning the former conversation. 
we've heard and been taught that that word conversation means lifestyle. But it also includes our conversation. That we put off the former conversation or the former way we talked or the former way we lived. Put off that conversation, that way of talking. The old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So even though you were born again and your spirit was recreated and you're a new creation in Christ, we have to do something about our soul. We have to do something about our mind. We have to do something about our will and our emotions. God won't, He saved us. He re, we've been reborn. Hallelujah. I've been reborn. My life has been rearranged. I've been refathered from above. I don't, hallelujah, but I need to do something about my mind. He won't do it for me. He said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. Hallelujah. But he says here in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man. So we have the new man in our spirit, but we need to put him on in our mind. We need to put him on in our will, put him on in our emotions, hallelujah, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then he says to put away lying and, and speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So uh, putting off some things, the old man, the way that, his way of living, his way of conversing, his way of talking, Anything the old man would do, like if you could just turn on the TV and watch what the sinners do and say, I got to put that off. <laughs> or just walk down the street and listen to what the sinners are saying or the unrenewed mind Christians, hallelujah, are saying and say, I got to put that off. I cannot live that way. I cannot talk that way. I cannot put myself in agreement with that. Hallelujah. Colossians 1.10 Turn over just a couple of pages to Colossians. Chapter 1, verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. I think, you, I, I think we notice it in times like this, but there's a lot of people spouting off their mouth, saying things, and speaking them like they knew. And I, it's, it's very, um, they think they know everything there is to know about God. And they're just babbling. It's just twaddle. It's just drivel. It's just, you know, hallelujah. I know a pastor went today to get a haircut as he does every third Wednesday at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> And he goes to the same girl every time. And so I said, this morning before he left, I said, well, go straighten so-and-so out because I know she already has been told that God judged Tuscaloosa. And he said, sure enough. He came back and he said, sure enough, sure enough. And he said, she said, I am so glad you told me. Because, you know, they wonder. And, you know, in the beauty shop, you hear uh, that is one of the worst places on earth next to the barber shop. Hallelujah. Right next to the barber shop comes the beauty shop. And he goes to a beauty shop. He don't go to the barber shop. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, he goes to the beauty shop because the barber shop's worse. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Uh, so anyway, you know, anyway, the point is you're going to hear anything in there. And people are speaking like they know something and they act like, they really truly act like they know everything about God. At least have the, you know, we ought to at least have to, the grace to sometimes say, I don't know. Instead of spouting off opinions when we don't, we, we need to have what we know backed with Scripture. Can you back it with Scripture? Not what you think. And not what you heard somewhere on TV, but not even what, if you can't, if you hear it here and you can't back it with scripture, you have permission to throw it out. But, you know, we try to back in you. I mean, I'm going to give you so many scriptures tonight, you're going to think you're drowning in the word. Hallelujah. But that's good. I'm going to hold you under. No, okay. So 2 Thessalonians 1, 3. Let's keep going. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3. This stuff is provable. That's what Romans 12, 2 said, that ye might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you can't prove it with the scripture, it's not the will of God, it's not God. Hallelujah. For 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. I want to talk tonight about developing in prayer, developing in authority, and developing in understanding. Sometimes we say, well, why couldn't we get this done? Why couldn't we get that person healed? Why Jesus got every person healed that came to him. Why can't we? Not because we don't have the right equipment, because as he is, so are we in this world. We've been given the same measure of faith that Jesus had. Jesus did not come and walk on the earth as the divine son of God. He, the Bible says in Colossians, he stripped himself of his divinity. He came as man. He was the son of man. He was also the son of God, but he was the son of man. And he, he stripped himself of his divinity, humbled himself, became obedient, and he had to be anointed just like we have to be anointed. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about uh, healing all those that were sick and possessed of, uh, oppressed of the devil, or however it says it. But anyway, the point being that um, we, he had to be anointed. If he, had come, if he had come in divinity, he wouldn't have had to be anointed, but he came as a man, stripped himself of his divinity, and he had to be anointed in order to do the works of Jesus. He did not come all-knowing. He, he did not have that all-knowing thing about him like God the Father has in heaven and like he has now, but he stripped himself of that. And he had to operate just like you do by listening to God. He said, I do what I see my father do and I say what I hear my father say. But I'm going to tell you this. He was highly developed in his prayer life, in his authority, understanding of authority, and his understanding of the word of God. He was highly developed in faith. And that's why we sometimes don't get the same results as Jesus did. Not because we can't. We can but we are in a process of development and we need to be growing. We were talking to some friends yesterday and we were talking about some, uh, some people, not in a critical way, but I said, well, have they grown in the last eight years? Because they said, well, we hadn't seen them in eight years. And I said, okay, have they grown spiritually in the last eight years? And they hesitated. We should be different 
from month to month and year to year. And so, and growing in our faith, growing in our, our, uh, our, uh, you know, we're building a foundation of the word of God inside of us. Hallelujah. And growing in our uh, uh, understanding of who we are in Christ, growing in our understanding of the authority we have in Christ. Hallelujah. And so we need more development. And that's what the, 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 the entrance of his word brings light. Light speaks of illumination. It speaks of development. And we get developed by the word of God. And it, it's according to how much attention we give it. That's what Ephesians says. According to the amount of attention you give it. Hallelujah. And uh, so, uh, hallelujah. So Second Thessalonians 1.3, read it again. Uh, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. I want that kind of faith. Hallelujah. I want my faith to be... That, it's not that you got the measure of faith. When you, got, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, but it's a development of that faith. Using it. Using that faith muscle. And uh, hallelujah. So that's what we're after. Uh, James 1.6. This is one, another thing that we're after. after. <laughs> James 1.6. He says, uh, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. See, we have to get to a development place in faith where we can ask without wavering. Did you ever ask and know you were kind of, things were loosey on, I mean, you, were, you could feel your insides kind of like, you know, nothing wavering. James 1, 6, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the, world, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Being double-minded, that means believing one thing one day and believing something else the next day. That's double-minded. And you can even do that not just from day to day, but from minute to minute. Hallelujah. And we really know what we believe by what we say and how we act. Not what we say in church, but what we say in the crisis. And how we act in the crisis. Hallelujah. And so it's a development, it's a training. And now I want to say to you here, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And anything I might say tonight, I've done many times. Wavered in my faith. Wavered in what I said wavered in, in what I did. You know? Hallelujah. Uh, Hebrews 10, 23. Back a couple of pages. Hebrews 10, 23. Uh, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Say, hold fast. Hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For He is faithful that promised. That's one of the big keys right there. If you can get to the place where you can hold fast your, the profession of your faith, whatever you've declared in faith, hold it fast and not waver. When you get to that point, hallelujah. One time the Lord, you know, I was praying to him about, uh, I had had some symptoms. Uh, the doctor said, you need to have surgery. I didn't want to because I'm, I'm a faith person. You know, I was believing God. This has been a lot of years ago, over 15 years ago or longer than that. And uh, so I'm praying about what I should do. So the Lord asked me, 
And he said, he gave me these scriptures here in Hebrews. And he said, well, Debbie, can you hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering? Because I was determined, should I have surgery? I don't want to. Can I do this, Lord? I want to do this without surgery. I want to believe you. He said, well, can you hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering? I said, Lord, to be honest, I don't think I can in the crisis. And so I, I knew when I said that, I thought, you know, I need to go to the doctor and, you know, use my faith there and get this thing taken care of. And so I did. I did it in faith, and I had, you know, I believed for all, you know, quick recovery, and I had supernatural recovery and all that kind of stuff. But, but I want to grow from there. And, uh, but he asked me that question. Hallelujah. So, and we have to be smart enough to measure our own faith. We can't pretend we're in faith. The Bible says we're to have unfeigned faith, not fake faith. Unfeigned means fake, or not fake. Feigned would be fake. And sometimes we want to pretend we're in faith, and we sure pretend around the preacher we're in faith. I mean, I think it'd be better sometimes to just say, Pastor, I'm not in faith. Tell me what to do. Or I'm trying to be in faith, but I'm not completely in faith. You know, uh, I like what Andrew Womack talks about, and this is really true, that a lot of times we don't need more faith, but we need to get rid of the doubt that we've got mixed in with our faith. And sometimes it's not that we don't have faith. We really do, but we've mixed some doubt in there, and we've got to root that out. And the only way to root it out is with the Word of God. But that doubt that's mixed in with our faith is causing us not to have a complete or full results. And so um, we need to be honest with ourselves. Hallelujah. So uh, we have to have development of our faith and development in our own faith. Development in our own words and development in our own authority. Because a lot of times we have faith in God, but we don't have a lot of faith in us and in ourselves. And, and uh, a lot of people, boy, get really mad when you say faith in your faith. In, in your faith. Well, them people just, you know, that's wrong. We need to have, but I want to read to you from E.W. Kenyon, and this is in the book. You, some of you have this book. I think we used it in Bible college, Jesus the Healer. It's on page 7, Faith in My Faith, it says, the name of it, the name of the section. The first time these words came to me, they startled me. I began to examine myself and ask the question, why is it that people haven't faith in their own faith? He said, they have faith in my faith. I received letters from many faraway countries asking for prayer. Why? Because the people who ask for prayer haven't confidence in their own faith. For some reason, they do not believe in themselves. They do not believe in what Christ has wrought for them or what they are in Christ. The reason for their unbelief is that they do not know what they are in Christ. They have a feeling that they are not good enough that their faith is not strong enough. They are acquainted with all of their own failings and weaknesses. They accept every condemnation from the pulpit. They are willing always to believe anything against themselves. Their unworthiness, their unfitness, their weakness, their lack of faith. Here are some facts. The father has no favorites. Every person born into his family has the same redemption. 
He has been redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. Satan was conquered for him personally. He can say he was delivered up on my account, on the account of my trespasses, and he was raised for my justification. He can confidently say, who delivered me out of the authority of darkness and translated me into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom I have my redemption, the, re the remission of my trespasses. It is a person, it is, excuse me, it is a personal and absolute redemption from the dominion of the adversary. And we have to develop our faith that my faith works. My faith is working. Say, my faith is working. It's working right now. And the things that you've released your faith for, though you may not see them with your natural eyes, your faith is working right now. Don't doubt your faith. Don't doubt your, your words. Don't doubt your own faith. Turn to Matthew 18, 18. Well, you don't have to turn there because I'm going to read it and amplify it. Hallelujah. We need to begin to believe the words that we speak. Hallelujah. You know, we speak the word of God and then we doubt whether it'll happen. That's not faith. That's not faith. We have to come to the point where we develop a great confidence here. Matthew 18, 18. I'm going to read it in the Amplified. Truly I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and unlawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. So we can forbid and declare something to be improper on earth. We have to line it up with the word of God, of course, and that's what he's saying. But it, we, whatever we allow, whatever we forbid on earth, the King James says, whatever uh, uh, you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. But we have to have faith in that. We must develop till we believe if I bind it on earth, then God backs me up in heaven. And then, of course, in order to believe that, it would have to line up to the word of God and be something God wants to bind up on earth. And sometimes we use our prayers frivolously for selfish things. Like, self, like you know, selfishly, you know, I, well, I wanted to do something today. I don't like it that it's raining. And so I want to pray rain away for a selfish reason or something. You know, where somebody down the road is saying, oh, God, give me rain. Uh, my garden's dying. But we had a little plan that day. Hallelujah. And I think sometimes we waste prayers on things like that. And then when we waste prayers, it causes us not to believe when we really need to pray. Because by the Bible says we, that he doesn't answer when we ask amiss. In order to spend it on our lusts. Our own lusts. And so it just hurts our faith. So we need to make sure that we're praying according to, uh, you know, proper uh, 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 be, being proper there in our prayers. So also developing faith in our authority. Now... Um, of course, there are some limits to our authority. But the greatest thing I think that limits us on our authority is, uh, 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 is just our believing many times. I think that, uh, but, but, but we can see in Scripture that there are some limits. So I want to take you some places. Psalm 91.7. We talked about this a little bit Sunday. That... Uh, 
you know, um, that there, there's going to be times when we can't always uh, save everybody around us. And there'll be times that we can. Hallelujah. But in Psalm 91, 7, it says this, and this is our protection covenant. This is Psalm 91, 7. There's many scriptures about protection in the Bible. We're going to look at several of them tonight. But this is the most comprehensive place in the Bible where that totally reveals and explains our covenant of protection. We have a covenant of protection with Almighty God. So one of the ways to renew our mind and develop a deep faith is to develop our faith in the covenant we have. God does not break covenant. Only we could break covenant. Well, actually, you know, we, and only we could cause the covenant to not be in effect in our lives by our work. Hallelujah. We're still in covenant with Jesus, but we could render that not working. Psalm 91, 7, though, says, A thousand shall fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come nigh me or thee. So obviously there's going to be times when we will see destruction happen to other people and not be able to stop it. I don't totally and fully understand that. Why? But I do know that the wicked don't have a covenant. Hallelujah. And so that explains it somewhat. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 10.15 in the Amplified Bible, and it's going to amaze you. 2 Corinthians 10.15. But sometimes we can get people, uh, spare people, because of our covenant, especially if we can get them to, to get in neutral and uh, let us cover them and get in agreement with us. In other words, if they will, you know, if they're going to argue us down about God protecting them, hallelujah, that might be different. But if they will just say, oh, you know, and just some people reach out and cling to the words of life that you give them, even though they may not have a covenant. And they will reach out and they will cling to that. Second Corinthians 10, 5 says, inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings, that's not it, 10.15 probably. Oh yeah, we do not boast therefore beyond our proper limit. Beyond, we do not boast. In other words, we do not try to use our faith, maybe we could say, beyond our proper limit over other men's labors. But we have the hope and confident expectation that as your faith continues to grow, our field among you may be greatly enlarged, still within the limits of our commission. So it seems from this scripture that the commission God has given us has limits, but that we can expand that, com that, that limit of our commission by speaking and declaring the word and people's faith growing that, they, that, that, that our, we can be enlarged in what we can protect. We do not boast therefore beyond our proper limit over other men's labors or we could say over other men's authority or over other men's words because that would be a kind of labor but we have the hope and confident expectation that as your faith continues to grow our field among you may be greatly enlarged still within the limits of our commission 
Hallelujah. So we pray continually for greater understanding of the Word of God in that, in that area concerning our authority in, and so forth. Uh, so there could be limits, but we know definitely that we are to pray for other people. I want to go to Nehemiah 4.14. You know, Nehemiah, Esther, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. I think that's how it goes. Nehemiah 4.14. So, so uh, don't back off from praying for other people. But on the other hand, if everything doesn't always work just like you said it, where it concerns other people, then don't get mad at God and get all into, you know, oh, I just, you know, I'm depressed because I couldn't make it work for them. You know, God will give you understanding. He'll, he'll show you. And, uh, but on the other hand, now if, if you're speaking something and it's not working for you, you do need to examine yourself. Nehemiah 4.14 says, Hallelujah. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. So fight. We need to fight for our families and for our brethren and for our uh, wives and for our houses and for our husbands. Hallelujah. We've been, we've been called to pray and to protect. Hallelujah. So then we want to talk also about developing in prayer. Because it's obviously that we don't know everything there is to know about prayer. There is so much to know about prayer that we don't know. And I want to learn. And I'm seeking to learn. I'm reading books on prayer. I'm meditating on prayer. And one of the best ways to learn is to pray. Another wonderful thing, the Holy Ghost is the great teacher. Ask Him. Ask him, how do I pray in this situation? So we're going to, but uh, I do know for sure that when it comes to things like those tornadoes and stuff that came through, that tornado, that we need preparation in prayer. It's not enough just to try to use our authority, especially when it comes to other people. But we must prepare in prayer. Now there's things, there's scriptures that talk about this. One of them is Jude. Remember Jude verse 20. He says, building up yourselves. Own your most holy faith. Or you could say preparing yourself. Own your most, or in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. If we pray in the Holy Ghost, we'll be prepared for some things that we would not be prepared for if we didn't pray in the Holy Ghost. We'd be built up, or in other words, strengthened. In order that, our, in order that we could handle things. So it's important to be prayed up or built up or prepared in prayer. Matthew 17, 21. We're talking about developing in prayer authority and understanding tonight. So that we can handle things like tornadoes and other catastrophes. Hallelujah. Developing in prayer. So it's not, not just enough to, to prepare in the Word and to know the Word says that we have protection and stuff, but you can't do it without it. But it's not just enough to know that you have authority, that you've been given authority, but you cannot, if you don't understand that, you will not have success. You will doubt your own words that you speak. But we also must be prepared in prayer. The prayerless are not strong. Hallelujah. And I, I, I want to build myself stronger. Matthew 17, 21. 
I believe the enemy fights prayer because he knows the power of being a praying Christian. The Bible says in James, we won't read that tonight, but you know it, uh, that the, 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 uh, the, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Or the Amplified says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Hallelujah. Or we could say, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man uh, prepares that man to do what God wants him to do. Uh, would not be wrong to say that. Matthew 17, 21. Remember when the disciples were confronted with a little boy, I believe it was, a young man who had evil spirit. He had an evil spirit and uh, the, his father brought him to the disciples and the disciples could not do anything about it. Then they brought him to Jesus and the, the father even said, uh, you know, they, that you, your disciples couldn't do anything. And uh, then later the disciples came to Jesus and said, why couldn't we cast him out? And he told them, um, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out by prayer and fasting. So obviously there's some preparation in prayer in order to, mostly to have purged the unbelief out of our hearts so that we're prepared uh, to handle anything that would be demonic in nature. I personally believe that those storms that came the other day, that, um, and I think we can see this from some scripture if we dig deep. I don't know how deep we'll have time to go tonight till the clock is ticking, but um, that, that those storms were caused by weather patterns and highs and lows and warm air from the Gulf and all sorts of stuff, but there was also, I believe that demonic spirits get in with those weather patterns to kill, steal, and destroy for the purpose of killing, stealing, and destroying. Hallelujah. I believe Annette it was that told us Tuesday, Monday night at prayer that two people have spoken to her or to somebody she knew and said they literally saw a demon in the cloud. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That would not surprise me at all. Um, <clears throat> I know there's other people that said, uh, and somebody mentioned this at prayer, that uh, it, it sounded evil. It sounded evil when they heard the sound. That does not surprise me either. And we know anything in the earth that has killing, stealing, and destroying in it has the devil in it. In whatever way, if it steals and kills and destroys, it has the devil in it. So we want to prepare ahead of time in prayer and be prepared for anything that we might confront, whether it be a demon spirit in a person or whether it be a demon spirit in a cloud. Hallelujah. Or, you know, whatever. Or just, you know, they say, was it? I think it was Smith Wigglesworth that a demon, the devil himself walked into his bedroom and he woke up, heard him, I don't know if he's making noise, looked at him and said, oh, it's just you and turned over. You know, you got to be prepared 
to handle it like that. And you got to know who you are in Christ. Hallelujah. So it's important to get out ahead in our prayers. To prevention, we've been talking the weeks before about being watchmen. Watchmen speaks of prevention. Watching, seeing it ahead of time. I want to see things ahead of time. We have access to a supernatural intelligence in the Holy Spirit. But most of the time we're just so busy we're not listening. Or sometimes we even doubt what we hear. We think, oh, that's just me. You know, how many times have I done that? I've had the Lord warn me of things so many times. And I thought, oh, that can't be right. One time about people sometimes. One time there was a lady in our church and the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and gave me a scripture uh, in 2 Samuel. I can't even remember the scripture now. But it was talked about, it was Absalom and David. That she was an Absalom. And I said, oh God, she's not. I mean, that was stupid. I was young then. I argued with the Holy Ghost and he'd give me a scripture. That's pretty obvious. Woke me up in the night, spoke a scripture to my heart. Second Samuel 15 something, I believe. And spoke and I never even knew what the scripture was. That, and, you know, that was, and then one time though, and you know, have you ever had just, oh, this isn't right, you know. But we want to believe the best of people. We want to believe the, I do. I just want to believe the best of people. We want to keep people that come into the church. But boy, sometimes I have had it in the past where it was just like something ain't right here. Something's not right. I don't know what it is. And in my younger days, I doubted it. You know, because sometimes they look so good on this side. One time in Seminole, there was this lady, and I mean, she was constantly just bringing us stuff. She knew pastor needed a filing cabinet. She bought a filing cabinet. She brought the filing cabinet to our house. She was doing all the right things on the inside. But the whole time she was in our church, something was just like, something, I don't know what it is. And so... Uh, but I, I, I didn't trust myself in that day. I was young in the Lord, and I thought, oh, it's just me. She's really a nice person. She's really a good person. You know? Hallelujah. But she wasn't. God knows. So trust, learn to trust your spirit. If you, and you know, even for the, and I'm mad at myself about this, but those two weeks that I was teaching on protecting the land, the first week I taught that, going home, I told Master, I said, something's up in the Spirit. But I just said, you know, oh, it's probably national, you know. It's pro you know, we hear so much. And sometimes that's the problem is we hear so much. And you know, you know, we were talking about this. Well, why don't people go to that safe place that they say on TV, go to your safe place, go to your safe place? Because they say it all the time. And we, and a lot of times nothing ever materializes. Yeah, and you know, um, you know, we just, but we need to listen to the Holy Ghost. For sure. Hallelujah. But more than that, we need to develop ourselves in the Word of God. So uh, God will show us things to come. I'm going to read from Isaiah 45, 11. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified. If you don't want to turn, you don't have to. Isaiah 45, 11. We have, a, we have promises from the Word of God for Him to show us things to come. I'm going to put more of a demand on these promises, and I'm also going to make myself listen more. You cannot listen 
going and hurrying and doing and being a doer. You know what, family? And I, I appreciate all the people that are helping down there. And literally hundreds and hundreds of Christians, if not thousands of Christians, have bailed out to go down and help, even come from all the way across the country to help. And we thank God for that. I am not discrediting that. Do not get me wrong. But it is so much easier to be a doer, to be a Martha, than it is to sit at the feet of Jesus and pray and listen. And a lot of, we got too many Christians that are doers and they love to help. They love to do. They love to get out and serve. They love to do all those things. And that's great. But when are we going to have some Christians that love to sit at the feet of Jesus and be Mary, Mary's instead of Martha's? Because Jesus said, Mary, she has chosen those greater or higher things. And, and be prayers and listeners because prayers and listeners can prevent things and Martha's can only sweep up the mess. And thank heavens we got to have the Martha's because there will always be messes that the devil makes that we have to sweep up. But sometimes we even look down on the Martha ministry. And we really think you ought to be out there, Word of Life Church, and you ought to be doing something. And I'm willing. But you know, I just, I would have to go do it in the flesh because God hadn't told me anything to do. And if he's told you, I expect you to go do it. But a lot of people in this church, and I say this lovingly because I love every one of us, but we're waiting for a, a corporate get-together to go out and do what Jesus told you to do, which was go win the lost and preach the word. You want us to organize and make it corporate. But that is less effective than you going out and doing it individually. Because if we do it corporately, we might say, okay, we're going to go to this apartment. But if you do it individually, you can listen to the Holy Ghost and say, where do you want me to go today? Or maybe if you even do it with another person and you can pray, you can say, let's pray and see where God wants us to go. And God, or you'll, you'll pray, say, okay, God, where are you showing us to go? And one of you may say, well, you know, I kind of feel like God's saying something about Radio Shack. And you go, that's weird, you know, because sometimes we go, oh, that's weird. But And then somebody, well, you know, I kind of saw a green shirt, I thought. But just in faith, you can go and act on that. And the green shirt will be at Radio Shack. And that's where the harvest is ripe. Instead of us having to have a corporate plan. And that's what God's after in this church is for him. He wants to thrust out labors into the harvest. But I believe that there's a higher way on an end of it. Not anything wrong with corporate ministry but quit waiting on it and go win the lost chad west pastor west his son who isn't even pastor west said last night he don't got it all right yet he's just not got it all right he hadn't conquered all his weaknesses let's say it that way yet but he just gets out and goes somewhere and witnesses to somebody and gets them born again and he by himself has added 10 people to their church. And he's not even, like I said, that fish isn't even completely clean yet. But he loves God. And he wants to do something for God. And he's not waiting. They're not having a corporate thing right now. Hallelujah. 
So quit waiting on it and do what you're called to do, which is win the law. Set yourself aside a time and go, whether it be Saturday morning or some evening. Where are we? Isaiah 45, 11. I'm glad the Holy Ghost let me say that. He brought that up in my heart. That's not even... He brought all this up in my heart at home, but he brought that up right here fresh. That was hot bread. Hallelujah. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and its Maker, would you question me about things to come concerning my children? He asked us to question him about things to come. In other words, it's okay for us to say, Lord, show me things to come. And then he says, and concerning the work of my hands, would you command me? Or the, I believe the King James says, command thou me or something like that. He said, I'll show you things to come and concerning the work of my hands, command me. Well, why would God need us to command him? In that fact, that would really bother some people, but it is Bible, you know. And, but the reason he needs us to command him is because he, he needs an open door into the earth. So we, tell, we, say, we say, yes, God, do that. He shows us something. He shows us something. And we say, God, do that. God, we thank you that you, you go into that situation. You invade that place. And we ask for people. We went to uh, eat today at lunch, and we saw the Mike and Ed's owner. And, you know, Mike and Ed's is pretty beat up. Not as bad as some places, but it's beat up. And so I don't know if he's Mike or Ed or if he's neither one. <laughs> okay, he's neither one. But anyway, uh, we know him by face, and he knows us by face, and the men's meeting and so forth that was there for a while. And so he was talking uh, to us and thanked the Lord. We were there. I asked him, were you all there? Yes, we were there. Thank the Lord we were spared, and we have a house to go home to. And the insurance adjuster was coming this afternoon. And when he walked off, I just had unction. And I said, Lord, and he said, then we don't know if we're going to have to just repair or if we're going to get a new building. And when he walked off, I just had unction. I said, God, we ask you to give him a new building. Not a repaired building, a new building. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And so God wants us to ask. He wants us to command his hands on what to do. Hallelujah. He wants us to ask him to go into those places and repair and give them better than they had before. And, you know, Lord, heal their hearts. And Lord, we, we, we declare that. Yeah, you know, and Lord, heal all the children from post-traumatic stress syndrome. And Father, we thank you. Thrust labors out into that harvest. That they wouldn't just be out there being Marthas, but they would be speakers also for, for Jesus Christ. And oh God, steer them around people that are spreading junk. That's not scripture. You know, a, ba a, a bad labor is sometimes worse than no labor. It really is, I mean, where it comes to speaking. I'm not talking about, you know, some people have good backs, but they don't have good doctrine. And so they make good workers, but hallelujah. We have sat, we just, so we have that access to that supernatural intelligence. Uh, John 16, 13. And this is what we need in order to, to fend things off ahead of time. We need to get highly developed in hearing. And one of the best ways to get developed in something is to use your faith for it. Believe for it. Believe for it instead of like, well, I can't hear God. Well, if you say that, you won't. And sometimes I've even prayed this way. I've said, Lord, I ain't getting this very good. I'm not getting this very good. I know I spoke bad English there, but sometimes for a point, I'll do that. But I do know good English. I got straight A's in English. 
Hallelujah. But anyway, um, I'll say, God, I, you know, this isn't coming clear to me. Make it, say it another way. Help me, Lord, help me here. You know, I need to know this, Lord. 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole full truth, for he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. He will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future especially concerning your life, your children's lives, and your county, your city. He wants to show us things to come. So let's be better listeners than we were before this. Hallelujah. And you know, uh, even 9-11, uh, there were people that saw that ahead of time. There were prophets that declared it. Joe Morse saw it ahead of time. Uh, I know Billy Brim said she called uh, Rachel Tifa Tiller, and she's a real prayer and said, did you, were you getting anything? She says, I was picking up on something. I knew so, I was, I was getting something, you know, and I was praying and I was praying it out and hallelujah. And you know, sometimes we don't even may not know what it is exactly, but we can know enough to pray and we can know enough to, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that heard don't go to work this morning in the Twin Towers and so forth. And I heard a man on TV say the other night, said, I heard, get up. And he got up out of his chair. Thank you, Lord. So hallelujah for at least hearing something, you know. Thank you, Jesus. I know, you know, hallelujah. Sometimes we just have our hearts too crammed with other stuff. Willie Nelson and Hallelujah. I don't, I don't even know what he sings, but the other day we were, somebody near us was playing, blasting the radio or something or something, a CD or something. And I said, I, who is that? And pastor said, Willie Nelson. But only like, oh, we got, we, we've got a lot of stuff in us that's not, that don't help us sometimes like that. Okay. Okay, we need to develop a confidence. We're going to close here in just a minute, but since we already prayed, we can, we can go more closer to the end. We're going to develop, we need to develop confidence in God's Word. The integrity of God's Word. Family, God doesn't lie and He doesn't exaggerate and He doesn't make promises He can't keep. So if we find it in the Word, we can literally build our life on it. And this is what a, I have. A, I hear people, I tell people this. Uh, I want, to want you to turn there because we're not going to get there if I don't. Let's see. Because this is an important scripture. Proverbs 12, 7. It says, uh, verse 7 of chapter 12 of Proverbs, The wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. Say that with me. The house of the righteous shall stand. Say, my house shall stand. Um, I, get, I tell this scripture to people, and I've gotten a lot of different answers on it. I've gotten some yeah buts. But from Christians, I've gotten, yeah, but, yeah, but. And I'm like, it's the word. It is written. It's a promise. It's part of my covenant. 
It's a promise. Of course, if I don't believe it, I can't have it. Just like I can't have anything else in the covenant that I don't believe. So I need to develop myself to say, and if I have to read it 50 times a day, every day, until it's there. Until it's there. Until the house of the righteous shall stand. The house of the righteous shall stand. The house of the righteous shall stand. Hallelujah. So we develop a confidence in God's word. We need to get the yow buts out of our thinking and out of our saying. Even in your heart, if you're saying yow but, well, either you don't have confidence in God's word, which that's probably not it, or you don't have confidence that he, you're, there's something in, your, in you that you don't really, you don't think you're worthy of God keeping his word to you. And one of those things might be that you really hadn't been living like you know you ought to live. And you're, so your heart's convicting you because you are compromising the way, in the way you live. And your heart will convict you. And you won't, the Bible says you won't have confidence towards God. And if you, that means you don't have confidence in His Word for you. Because your heart's convicting you. And then sometimes it's not, you really are leading a holy life. But, you, uh, but the devil will condemn anybody that'll take it. He will feed you condemnation about how unworthy you are all day long. And you've been just believing the lie of the enemy that you're not worthy. When the Bible says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that by the blood of the Lamb you've been made worthy. And you're not partially worthy, but you're completely worthy. And the Bible says if you have any uh, sin, just confess it according to 1 John 1, 9. Hallelujah. And even though when you sin, your spirit does not sin. So you still remain holy. And even if you sin you, and, and you didn't get it confessed and you were killed in the tornado, you're going to go to heaven. But why? Because your spirit remained holy. But, but if you sin, what happens is that sin is in your soul. And we only have to confess sin according to 1 John 1, 9. Not because we're not forgiven in our spirit, but because... And not really truly because we're not forgiven, but we need cleansing in our soul. We need our soul washed from that old, you know, the vestiges of sin. And our soul is what will condemn us. And we, we have to repent and get cleansed. And then we go before we can say with a great authority, according to Romans 8, chapter 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But if you're walking according to the flesh, then the devil will condemn you and he'll beat you up. And you won't have confidence towards God and you'll let a Mack truck run over you because you don't even think you're worthy. So we got to develop ourselves in our faith and our confidence towards God and we guard it. You guard your faith. You guard your confidence towards God. And we don't live a righteous and holy life because of works of righteousness so that we can get to heaven. We live a righteous and holy life so that we have great confidence and boldness to do the works of Jesus. So we get those yow butts out of our thinking. Proverbs 18.21 Probably the greatest reason that a tornado 
was able to kill, steal, and destroy in Tuscaloosa was Proverbs 18.21. We're about to close with this. Even though we're not near through, we're going to close. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, you can either love or hate this scripture. And if you love it, you can take your tongue and you can create all kinds of wonderful blessings in your life. Or you can hate this scripture and not believe it and you can just take them as they come. Or if you're ignorant of this scripture and a lot of people, really, when are we going to get to the point where we really believe death and life are in the power of their tongue? And, what, and that God cannot override what we say, will not override what we say. And we all err in this. But I believe that mostly in this church, we've come to the point that when we do err, we, we repent and we're like, oh, I take that package in Jesus' name. I renounce that. I refuse that, Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm not speaking that curse on my life. And the devil, I want to tell you something, the devil is not friendly. And the devil is not like, well, they didn't mean it. And they, the devil's not like, well, they didn't mean it that way. Have you ever done that? Sometimes pastors correct me and said, no, don't say that. And I, I said, well, I didn't mean it that way. We don't really like to be corrected, do we? <laughs> Hallelujah. None of us really love that. Hallelujah. But praise God for people that, you know, that will do that for us. But uh, de the devil don't really care if you mean it that way. And we're snared with the words of our mouth. And... Um, I know recently a, a person said, these, I heard these words, and you know, the devil will take something like this and run with it. We need to be careful. But th this person said, I'm going to do something for God or die trying. And it was a faith person. Boy, that is, that's opening the door for the devil. Now, you don't hear this on TBN. Now you, you might hear this on some other of the Christian channels. I know we got some good faith preachers on a lot of the channels. I'm not saying that we're the own, but there's a lot of Christian preachers that their confession is horrible. Naked boy, I tell you what, they can get them whining and crying. Whoo! They can get, they can whoop up the whining and the crying, and they can, uh, they and that pulls dollars in. But. Death and life are in the power of the time. We need to guard our mouths and the Holy Spirit wants to help us. Hallelujah. And you know, I, I can preach this and I can preach it without condemning you because, oh my Lord, you don't know how often I have to repent of what I say. And I'm sure there's things I say I don't even catch. But I do believe that scripture. And I am endeavoring every day to speak Words of life over myself, over my family, over my children, over my grandchildren. I speak words of life over my house. And I have what I say, and I believe I have what I say. And I believe my life right now is because I said. I'm living in what I said. And people that don't believe it, they want to persecute you for it. But literally, you can bless yourself with your words. You can take Proverbs 31 and you can say, uh, uh, what does it say about her, that woman that she wears fine linen and scarlet? And you ought to be, if you, want, if you don't want to, 
you know, don't speak it. But if that's what you, if you don't look out there and say, I wish I had clothes like her or that person or start speaking the word. You got, it's promised. Don't look out there and say, I wish I had a husband like that. We'll take Psalm 112. How do you think I got him? I changed him with the word. No, he was, he was really, but I, I did. I, you know what? I take credit for this. Mary Fran Varallo told him twice in two different meetings, and she didn't even know who we were at that time. She told us twice. She called him out and said, you are a rock. And I, I said, I, I believe I got credit for that because I spoke Psalm 112 over him so many times. His heart is fixed. I'm telling you what, he don't move. Hallelujah. You create it. If you want a good wife, create it with Proverbs 31. If you want a nice house, the Bible says in Proverbs, through wisdom is a house builded. And what is it? Through knowledge, its chambers are filled with all pleasant and precious riches. That is Bible promises. Hallelujah. There's so many promises. I tell you what, we can lead the good life. We can lead the good life. And we speak them over our children. And we speak them over our grandchildren. And we can speak them over our vehicles. And Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Speak it over your income. Hallelujah. Patricia King says, she said that, I think she said it in glory school. Did y'all hear this? I heard it. I heard it somewhere anyway. She said, my husband and I, we live like millionaires. She said, we've never had the income of millionaires, but we live like millionaires. I said, I got it, Lord. I caught that. <laughs> and I say it. I say, we live like millionaires. We live like millionaires. I was telling somebody yesterday, I got some beautiful things in my house. And I said, that came from the consignment store. That came from the consignment store. That came from the thrift store. That came from the consignment store. That came from the, cons you know, you just go through my house and you can just see. And it was like, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. That's, that's you know. If that's not where you want to put your focus, put it somewhere else. We, you know, not required that you put your focus there. But anything you want, you can probably find the promise for it in the Word. He says, just be careful that when you're increased, you don't say, this guy, I got this for myself. And, and be careful that you don't allow what you get to turn you away from God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, Pastor, receive the offering. We got, I got to quit, although I think I could have gone till midnight.